Today's reading is from the book of Revelation, chapter 17. We'll start from verse 1. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of whose sexual immoralities the dwellers on earth have become drunk. And he carried me away in a spirit into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names. And he had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abomination, abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I marveled greatly. But the angel said to me, why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pits and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose name have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will baffle to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come. This calls for our main mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. They are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen. One is, the other has not yet come. And when he does come, he must remain only a little while. As for the beast that was and is not, it is an eighth, but it belongs to the seventh, and it goes to destruction. And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast. These are of one mind and they hand over the power and authority to the beast. They will make war on the land and the land will conquer them. For he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. And the angel said to me, the waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages and the ten horns that you saw they and the beasts will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. For God has put it into her, their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and hanging over the royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. 
and the merchants of the earth has grown rich from the power of a luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Makes a double portion for her in the cup she mixed, and she, as she glorified herself and lived in luxury. So give her a like measure of torment and mourning, since in her heart she said, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire. For mighty is the Lord God who has judged her, and the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and live in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far, far off in fear of her torment and said, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her, since no one buys their cargo anymore, cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine, fine flour, wheat, cattle, and sheep, horses and chariots and slaves, that is, human souls. The fruits for which your soul longed has gone from you, and all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torments, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen, in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls, for in a single hour all this wealth has been laid waste, and all shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors and all those trading on the sea, stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like the great city? And they first they threw dust on their heads and they, as they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas, for the great city, where all who had shipped at sea grew rich by her wealth. For in a single hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. Then a mighty angel took up stone like a great milestone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. And the sound of harpers and musicians, of flute players and trumpeters, will be heard in you no more. And the craftsmen of any craft will be found in you no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. And the light of a lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth, and all nations were deceived by your sorcery, and in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints, and of all who have been lay, slain on earth. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven, crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For his judgment are true and just, for he has judged the great prostitute, 
who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen, hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Karen, thanks so much for that really amazing reading. <laughs> really, really long passage. I especially love the way you um, had alas and hallelujah really trying to capture the essence of the text. Uh, thanks so much for reading a passage for us. Uh, well, in my, my previous job, you might just might call it, um, you might describe it as what uh, everyone would call a stereotypical banking experience. It was uh, male-dominated with the very big egos, and the boss was like the dragon himself. Uh, yet at the same time, well, everyone, well, they wanted to join the team. Why? Well, because if you joined that team, it rewarded really well. Uh, it paid very well. I remember going to one of my teammates' house during Chinese New Year. Uh, his house was in, I guess, the poshest area in Singapore. Uh, it was beautiful. It was well decorated. Um, the, the meal that they were serving, they served quality wine. Uh, there was a private chef serving really good food. Another my teammate, uh, when he came to his house, he was driving a 1995 Ferrari 512. Well, unfortunately, I, I never got that Ferrari. I, I only was there for a couple months. And after that, I left the, the team to come up here. And in my leaving dinner, uh, they opened a bottle of 1989 Chateau Magu, uh, which I guess goes for about 600 pounds a pop. I, I would say that they didn't open the bottle for me. Uh, they knew that I don't really, really drink. Um, so it's probably for them to enjoy themselves. But I'll be honest with you. Uh, as I was leaving the team, um, it, was, it was really hard. Because the attraction, well, it was a real attraction. Uh, there was reward for the hard work. A big rewards. Or there was the attraction, the, the appeal, the allure of the city. And so let me ask, do you feel the attraction of the city? What this world has to offer? Whether you call yourself a Christian today or not a Christian, someone who's looking in, do you feel the attraction of the city? Maybe fast cars are too ostentatious for British taste. But what is your drug of choice? What catalogs do you flip through? Which online shops do you scroll through? Which secondhand sites do you keep refreshing? What is your drug of choice? You see, the, the dream of the good life and the city, well, the city is the way you can achieve it. Uh, there's a real attraction, a real appeal, a real allure of the city. Well, as you guys have known, uh, those who've been coming and listening to us over the past few months, uh, you've known that this letter, the book of Revelation, is written to the seven churches in Rome. And it was very similar to the, the attraction that these seven churches were experiencing. At the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, it offered stability, a strong economy, and prosperity 
for all those who were willing to join in. See, for those in the first century, the attraction of the city was real. Yet, John, he is persuading the seven churches not to join in the city, but to join in the war for the worship of the nations, to take up arms and to fight. But the question is, well, how do you fight against something so attractive? How do you fight against something so alluring? How do we resist the attraction of the city? Well, this week, John, he is exposing the lies of the city. He wants us to, again, put on heaven's glasses to see the reality. He wants us to see what the city really is, repulsive. And secondly, he wants us to see where the city is going, that is, destruction. How do we resist the attraction of the city? Well, John has two points for us today. And the first point is this. He wants us to see the repulsiveness of the prostitute. Well, the two images that describe the city in chapter 17 and 18 uh, a prostitute and Babylon. And both images, they overlap with one another. Uh, but the dominant image in chapter 17 is the prostitute. And the dominant one in chapter 18 is Babylon. And we'll take turns to explore them. And perhaps some of you might feel uncomfortable about the language of prostitute. Uh, but let me remind you that here, the prostitute is functioning as a metaphor and hope that we'll see why John uses this metaphor and why it's useful to describe the city as such. So, so pause your, your worry for now, for just for a moment, and listen to what God has to say. Well, if you're, you have the, your Bible in front of you, look at chapter 17, verse 1. But then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual morality, and with the wine of whose sexual morality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. And he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Well, do you see the, the attractiveness and the seductiveness of the women? And notice her relationship with the kings and the nations. John describes as sexual, sexually immoral. Imagine it's sexual satisfaction on demand and no consequences. And notice the woman herself. She is beautiful. She is luxuriously dressed. And she herself is drunk. And she calls the kings and the nations to get drunk with her. But not only is she beautiful, she is strong. 
Well, she sits on the beast, the beast who was powerful and has authority. In verse 9, we find out the beast is the one on seven hills. Uh, that is Rome. Uh, the beast is the imperial power of Rome. And so the women, the prostitute who sits on this beast, offers you, rewards you with your desires, with no consequences, immediate gratification. And so for those who are in Rome, they can feel the attraction and the seduction of the women. And John himself, he marvels at her. But John wants us to put on heaven's glasses to see underneath the surface and expose how repulsive she really is. Firstly, she's repulsive in her relationships with others. John describes his, her relationship with the kings and the nations as sexually immoral. As sex, well, it becomes a commodity. It's something you can buy off the shelf. There's no commitment. It's client after client, whoever pays the fee. The door is open. You pay the fee. There's no chit-chat. You do whatever you want, and you come out of the room, and she's a stranger to you. That is the city of Rome. It's transactional. But notice the woman herself. All she cares is about herself, her own beauty, as she arrays herself in luxurious goods. See, she's not a woman who is forced into prostitution, but she's selling herself so that she can buy herself another of those Birkin handbags. See, her sexual morality is for her own benefit. It's for her greed. Well, how about the beast that she is sitting on? Uh, the beast that exudes power and authority. Well, the beast, as we have known in chapters 12 to 14, he is evil. He is the summon of the dragon, the devil himself. He is a scarlet beast in verse 3. Scarlet because he is stained with the blood of the saints. Look at verse 8. With me. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast for it for it was and is not and is to come. Again in verse 14, they will make war on the lamb and the lamb will conquer them for he's a lord of lords and the king of kings and those who are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Well, from verses 9 to 13, the verses that we, we didn't read, John is riffing off the legend of Nero, uh, an evil emperor who likens himself, likens himself to God. Uh, describes himself as the one who was and is and is to come, but ultimately is a destructive force. Uh, you can ask more about those verses during the question time. But a big point to notice the, about the beast is this. Uh, he makes war against the lamb and he destroys the saints. Uh, they make war against the lamb, but the lamb will conquer him. Uh, he is violent and he destroys the saints. And the prostitute, she, she loves his violence. Uh, look at verse 6. She is drunk with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. 
She is drunk with the blood of the saints. And so John wants us to see that the stability and the power that Rome has, the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, well, it is built on the foundation of violence, on dried, coagulated blood of the saints. But also notice the big shock about the alliance between the prostitute and the beast. Does it end in the happily ever after? No, look to verse 16. And the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. For God has put it in their hearts to carry out his purpose by being one mind, handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. Do you know anyone in a toxic relationship? Um, have you been in a toxic relationship yourself? Well, this picture that we have here in Revelation is worse. You see, the, the beast will devour the prostitute's flesh and burn her. I mean, it's a shocking imagery. But, but then again, maybe not so shocking because the relationship that they always had was transactional. It was a marriage of temporal convenience. It was never going to last. In fact, historically, this has some precedence. Uh, historically, uh, historians recognize that it was Nero who caused the great fire of Rome in AD 64. Why? Well, because he wanted to refashion Rome to his own liking. And so, John, he, he wants his readers to see underneath the attraction of Rome, the seduction, that the prostitute at its core well, is repulsive. John says, you put on heaven's glasses and, says, and see that this is the city. It's not glamorous, not powerful skyscrapers, but a drunk prostitute. The city, this world, is transactional. You are accepted, even adored when you are useful. But when you leave and are no longer relevant, you are very quickly forgotten and another takes your place. The city is self-serving. Uh, it's the Goldman boss saying, go the extra mile, despite staff being concerned about a 95-hour work week. Uh, the city is the one who offers power and peace but it rewards only those who are willing to toe the party line, those who are willing to sing the same liturgy composed by the diversity department. See, Rome, London, this godless wall, on the surface looks attractive and seductive. It rewards for those who join in. But underneath, it's repulsive, it's transactional, and it feeds the top. How do we resist the allure of the city? John says, put on heaven's glasses and see the repulsiveness of the city. Well, but it looks powerful. It looks stable. It looks everlasting. And the woman herself cries out in chapter 18, verse 7. I sit as a queen. I am no widow. And mourning I shall never see. She looks permanent. But ultimately, her destiny is 
its destruction. And that's where we come to point two, uh, to see the destruction of Babylon. Look to chapter 18, verse 1. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he cried out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Where John in this verse, he, he links the city of Rome to Babylon, the ancient city of Babylon in the Old Testament. And the good thing to, the thing to know about Babylon, it has three main characteristics. Uh, firstly, Babylon is a powerful city, one who was known for its military and political might, one who was economically uh, prosperous. And next, it's also known for, for her pride. Uh, king Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, lifted his heart against God. But the third thing to know about Babylon is that Babylon falls. Well, the name Babylon comes from Babel, Genesis chapter 11. Um, Ed, if you remember, spoke from Genesis 11. And the thing to know about Babel was that Babel fell. Babel in Genesis 11 fell. Babylon fell. Rome fell. See, the destiny is destruction, demolition, and devastation. Fallen. Fallen is Babylon the great. And John, in the next few verses, he details the crumbling down of the city. Uh, firstly, the city will be abandoned. And look to verse 2 again. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. The city becomes abandoned, a godless place, populated with demons, infested with evil. A godless place, full of evil, no rules, no common grace. See the shackles on evil removed, and the city descends into debauchery. But not only is she, is she abandoned, she's also mourned over. Her clients who come to her, who used to come to her, will wail, they will weep, and they will mourn. And not because they love her, but because of their own loss. Look at verse 9. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual morality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city, Babylon, for in a single hour, your judgment has come. See, the kings, they will stand far off in the distance and they will wail. They will wail not because they love her, but because of their own loss. They have lost their luxurious benefits, their political alliances with her. Not because of love, but because of their own loss. And more than that, the merchants, they will will their own loss of their economic benefit. Verse 11. The merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, 
the Cartier necklaces, the Patek watches, the Armani suits. See, the merchants, they will wail. They're not because they love her, but for their own economic loss. And the facade of Babylon will fade. Verse 16. Alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen, in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls. For in a single hour, all this wealth has been laid waste. Alas, no permanence, abandoned, mourned over, and thirdly, completely destroyed. Look at verse 21. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon the great city be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. And the sound of harpers and musicians, of flute players and trumpeters will be heard in you no more. And the craftsmen of any craft will be found in you no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. And the light of a lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of the bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth and the nations were deceived by your sorcery. There will be no more music. The high streets will be gone. Production gone. Celebrations all gone. Babylon will be thrown down like a rock falling off a cliff into the sea. Babylon will fall. Every godless city will fall. See, Babel fell. Babylon fell. Rome fell. Pyongyang will fall. Beijing will fall. And London, London will also fall. You see, ultimately, this godless world will fall, completely destroyed. Every Babylon will fall. Well, how do we resist the, the attraction and the allure of the city? Well, John says, put on heaven's glasses and see the destruction of Babylon. Well, knowing that Babylon will fall, what does it mean? For us. Look at verse 4. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Come out of her, my people, come out. See, the call is to disassociate with the city to thread lightly on this earth. John is not saying to leave your city job. He, uh, he's calling us to stay into the world to fight, but he's warning us not to sink our roots too deep. John's also not saying you cannot be rich. There are other parts of the Bible that has, that's have advice for the rich, but the warning is not to love this world. John is not saying you must be going into full-time ministry. Well, there can be a prostitute-loving minister as well. But what John wants for us to do today is to ponder, uh, what is your drug of choice? What do you secretly desire? 
and the call is to free yourself from the lure of the city, to come out, come out of her, my people, come out. Well, there might be a temptation for us to, to think, well, can I, can I enjoy this world before it goes? And it looks like the, the kings and the merchants, uh, they enjoyed it while, while it lasted. Well, the answer is, is no. See, another way John pushes us with this is with a litmus test. In chapter 19, verse 3, uh, the saints cry out in that chapter 19, verse 3, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And so knowing that your material possessions will go, will that make you cry, hallelujah, or alas? See, for those who cry, alas, will suffer the same fate as the great prostitute. And that is why Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Well, I asked the question at the start, how do we resist the attraction of this world, of this city? How do we resist when we look sideways and our peers might be doing better than us? How do we resist when we look upwards and those who we aspire to look so attractive? John says, look underneath the seduction of the prostitute. It is repulsive. Look underneath the, the power and the permanence of Babylon. There is complete destruction. Therefore, he calls us to to come out. Come out of her, my people. Come out. Why don't I pray for us now? Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins. Father, we ask that we might heed the warning in this passage to see what is the reality of what the city is on offer. And we pray that we might not um, put our treasures, store up our treasures on this earth, but to store up our treasures in heaven. And so we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.